You're listening to episode number 94 of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. In today's episode, I am so excited to introduce you to Emily King. Emily is a wealth and abundance coach for entrepreneurial women and the founder of the Rich Women Signature Coaching Program. She has worked with hundreds of women to help them create a loving relationship with money so that they can massively increase their income and impact. In today's episode, we are going to be chatting all about discovering your money personality. Now, this is a long episode, I know, but it is so fascinating, and there are eight different money types, and so it's going to just really draw awareness around how you feel about money, and it's super eye-opening. So I can't wait for you to hear this. Let's jump right into the episode with Emily. Hey mama, welcome back to the Purpose Gathering Podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Freehan, and I'm here for all you mom photographers out there feeling overwhelmed trying to raise a thriving family and build a profitable business you love. I'm a business and motherhood coach, brand photographer, podcaster, wife, and homeschooling mama saved by grace, so I can totally relate to the never-ending to-do lists endless hours of editing, and the trail of messes strewn across the floor. Join me every week where I share with you the strategies and mindset shifts that you need to step into the role as CEO in your motherhood and your business. If you're ready to get off the sidelines, take some serious action, and embrace hard things for the sake of growth, then you're in the right place. Hey, Emily. Welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to have you today, and I cannot wait to talk about all things money mindset. (laughs) But before we dive in, I would love for you to take a moment and just share with our listeners who you are, what you do, and who you live with. Ooh, and who I live with too. Okay. (laughs) Well, thanks, Ashley, for having me. So hello, listeners. Great to meet you all. My name is Emily King, and I'm a wealth and abundance coach, and I help women entrepreneurs like yourselves make more income and impact doing the work that you absolutely love. And who I live with is my amazing husband, Justin, my wiener dog, Charles, And soon to be a little baby girl, uh, because I'm due in six days with a baby. So, (laughs) oh my gosh, congratulations. Thank you. I knew you were due, but not in six days. That's incredible. (laughs) Yeah. So she hasn't come out yet, but uh, she'll be here soon to join us. I love that so much. Do you have a name picked out? (laughs) We do. We are keeping it a surprise. So it's like, I can't wait to hear it. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I am so happy to have you here and thank you for doing this interview, even though you're due soon. (laughs) It's my pleasure. It keeps me busy, keeps me entertained. Keeps your mind off of the waiting. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I love it. Okay. So I am excited for our listeners to hear this because I truly believe that there's so much knowledge out there about money mindset that we haven't tapped into. I know for me, this is an area that I have struggled with and still currently do. So I'm excited Mm -hmm. to hear your wisdom. Um, Can you share with us, I know that you have been researching and doing more work around the eight money personalities and how that impacts our business. So can you sort of Mm -hmm. unpack that for us? 
Yeah. So a couple of years ago, I learned about this training on money personalities and I had already been doing this money mindset coaching as it was. So I took this training, got certified in it, and it was fascinating and really liberating because much like any awareness that we find out about ourselves, it can be really liberating to better understand yourself and not make yourself wrong with different habits that we have. Um, meaning like, I don't know about you, but actually like the first time I heard about Myers-Briggs and this was like years ago and discovered that there was such thing as introverts and extroverts. I was like, what? You mean some people actually get like excited about going out? (laughs) (laughs) That's me. Like, like, I'm like, they get energized by that. Like, no, like get me home on the couch with like a book or like Netflix and I'm good to go. (laughs) So it's really that compassion with ourselves with this money personality stuff. So yeah, there are eight money personalities. Um, They're very in depth. So I'll give kind of the the high level uh, view on them. So there's the alchemist, which is that person that has a million ideas a minute or a day and just loves to contribute back to the world. Um, And with any of these personalities, just like any personal traits, whether someone's shy or funny or confident or whatever, there's, you know, the amazing gift of it. And then there's also what we'll call like the shadow, which isn't a bad thing. It's just something to be aware of, which is where the money mindset and money blocks come in. So with alchemists, for example, where they have so many brilliant ideas and they're such amazing idea generators, sometimes it's really hard for them to receive money for their ideas because it comes so natural to them. And they think like everyone can do it when not everyone can, like that's a really amazing gift of theirs. And so they just want to be these contributors to the world. So they might find themselves doing things for free or not really following through on projects because they might have another idea the next day that they want to run with. And so really allowing themselves to receive for their amazing gift is key with the alchemists. Ooh, that is so interesting. I am like really excited to dive in, but I maybe need to hear a few more personalities before I'm like, that sounds just like me. (laughs) Because maybe I have other ones too. Yeah. And to your point, um, to the listeners, there's typically with, with these archetypes, we focus on the top three. So just like any personality test, like somebody might score really high on one in particular. Like I know I have a high scoring one where some people might be more evenly scored. So as your listeners are listening, they might find um, they have aspects of all of them or like just like two or three. So it's all good. Um, On the kind of opposite side of the spectrum is the accumulator, which is that inner banker, the person that loves to save money, feels a lot of security from money, typically is really responsible with their money. So they are one to really follow up on invoices and be really diligent and safe with their money. The challenge with the accumulator is trusting themselves to spend their money and invest in themselves. So even in the photography world, like I know I have um, a client of mine who's a photographer and she really wanted to upgrade her camera to step into that like next level for herself. And as you folks know, cameras are not cheap (laughs) (laughs) and the equipment that goes along with it. So it really, she really had to practice the trust of, okay, spending, I forget what it was now, three or $4,000 on whatever piece of equipment she needed or gear she needed, really trusting like, okay, I can invest this in myself and I don't need to freak out and like look at my bank account every two seconds and 
oh my gosh, am I going to go into debt over this? And, you know, am I going to be on the streets? But really trusting like, okay, investing in myself is an expansion for me and it's safe for me to invest in myself. And I can trust and know that um, following this intuitive guidance, following this hunch, if you will, is going to lead me to more amazing things and more amazing clients and opportunities and that kind of stuff. So that's the, that's the accumulator in a little nutshell. Oh, I love that. That's definitely not me. <laughs> I am not a saver at all. I mean, I really have to push myself to be that type of person. Not okay. that I'm financially irresponsible, but I just yeah. do find that I'm definitely much more of a spender. You don't have to, you don't have to um, entice me to spend. I'm, I'm pretty good at that. <laughs> so you may be what's called the romantic and a classic trait of the romantic is you'll hear them saying something like, I deserve it. Um, so they might buy themselves something nice or splurge on something and they, and they'll say, you know, I deserve it. Like I work hard, play hard kind of thing. And romantics, I really envy romantics. I'm not a romantic, or at least it's not one of my top archetypes. And what I really envy about them is the joy and the pleasure and the fun that they have with money and truly just letting themselves really indulge in all the opportunities and experiences that money can provide them. So that's wonderful. And that's beautiful. But, um, romantics really need to like, like saving can be such a bore for them where they're like, what you want me to save my money? Like, that's so boring. Like, give me something fun to do. So for romantics, um, now that's not to say that they can't save if there's something in particular that they want, like, you know, down payment for a home or in the photography case, you know, a new piece of equipment, um, they'll save for it, but they'll typically find themselves back at zero. So automating savings for romantics is really important. So that kind of like out of sight, out of mind, they don't, it doesn't feel like a loss to them is really important. Um, and yeah, just, just paying more attention to the financials and finding a way to let it be fun versus feel like this chore and this like boring thing that someone's making you do versus see it as an exciting adventure. And okay, if I do save up X amount, what opportunity can that provide me? And what, how like good will that feel in doing so? Yes, I can definitely see I have a little bit of the romantic, but I would say that I still tend to, I guess, like maybe in my personal life, I'm a little bit more romantic, but with my business finances, Mm -hmm. I feel like I'm definitely more frugal, like wanting to, like, especially now, like wanting to invest in, in my business and really thinking like bigger picture, stepping into the role, you know, as CEO and not always spending all of my money. Cause I, for so long was of the mindset that, oh, you know, in order to be a better photographer, I need this better camera or I need this Mm. better lens or I need X, Y, and Z. And I wasn't um, content, I guess, with what I had currently in order for me to say, okay, let me max out my capabilities. Let me learn, you know, let me make sure I actually get to the very edge of okay, now I need this, right? Mm. So I just feel like now my mindset is much different than it used to be, you know, as an earlier entrepreneur. Do you oh, find that happens? Like yeah. people change as they evolve, right? Their, their yeah. archetype changes. That I love your story and I love your awareness of it. And 
you know, in the money mindset world, we call that like the shiny object syndrome, where Mm -hmm. you think that next thing is going to be the thing that, you know, has your business excel. So I love how you took that moment to just be like, no, what I have is enough and I'm going to utilize this to the max and then proceed forward once I've used that. So for sure, like, for example, Accumulator, if I had taken this test, I mean, Accumulator is still one of my top archetypes, but probably... I would say 10 years ago, if not less, I was really living in the shadow side of it where like spending, geez, I used to joke that like even going out to a restaurant and spending like $2 on the side of guacamole (laughs) felt, felt like, Oh my goodness. Luxurious. Yeah. yeah, Like I can't do that. Or like, you know, getting an appetizer. No, like just the dinner. Like I was very, very tight with my money. Yeah. And so I've shifted where, yes, I still am very responsible. I still love the safety of it. I, you know, invest easy, like, like having money gives me that sense of security, but on this, in the same breath, I also really have learned how to trust investing in myself. Um, and I even had to practice it just, it comes up at new levels. Like I had to practice it even just last night. I was chatting with my husband because there's a mastermind that I just invested in and it's a big, it's a big investment. And especially, going on mat leave now with the baby coming, um, it triggered that old side of me that was like, like, what have I done? Like, I just invested a big chunk of money. Like, this is crazy. But I really had to just take a step back and lean back into that trust. So yeah, to answer your question, can they change and evolve? Absolutely. And that's the beauty of it is this awareness of this and then allowing ourselves to really be compassionate and non-judgmental of like, not making ourselves good or bad um, around our money, which I feel a lot of people have and just taking a step back and, and really coming at it from the point of view of like, Oh, interesting. <laughs> like this is, this is what I'm feeling. It doesn't feel great. So what would I like to shift to instead? Oh, I love that. Yeah. So next we have the ruler, which is one of my top ones. I really love the ruler. <laughs> Might be a bit biased here, but the ruler is the inner empire builder. So they also share a bit of the similarities with the accumulator in the sense that they love numbers. They, they do get some validation from the numbers in their bank, like the money in their bank account as a validation of their success. Um, but which is great. Like, and they also tend to be these, these people who, you know, have big visions and big dreams and big goals and, and just like, is like the more, 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 like once they hit a goal, they're like, all right, amazing. Next, like what else can we do? Which is a fantastic thing. But what I have to be really conscious of is stopping to smell the roses and stopping to really, truly be grateful every single day for anything and everything. It could be little small thing. It could be something amazing that happened, but really taking in the journey and not being so quick to be in the next mentality of like, okay, I got this thing next. What else can I do? So really slowing down, taking it in and really being essentially being kind to ourselves because I know I can get caught up in the entrepreneur roller coaster of never enough and like in comparison and all that kind of stuff. And so I actually have a joy jar now where every single day I write down on a little slip of paper uh, something joyful for my day, something, pr- something that I'm proud of, something that, um, I'm really grateful for it to be anything at all. So I just write the date down and I write a joyful moment from that day and I put it in this jar 
And at the end of the month, I pull out all the slips and I read them all. And it really anchors me in that joy of the journey, which the ruler can kind of get out of if we're not conscious of it. I love the joy jar idea. I've never heard of that. I've heard of like, you know, gratitude journals, but that sounds so fun. Yeah. And because I too had heard of, you know, gratitude and all that goodness and writing it down. But what I love about the jar is that for me, because I can be kind of lazy sometimes or forgetful, that kind of thing. And what I find is in having the physical jar there, it's on my nightstand and the slips already like pre-cut, ready to go. It's like, it's a no brainer to do it so easily. Like it's just right there. So every night before I go to bed, I just take one of those slips, my pen's there, the jar's there. I write it down, I put it in and it's done. And it's, it's amazing. Like I just find personally, I don't know if your audience is going to try this or whatnot, but every single time I do it at the end of the month, when I read through the, you know, 30 odd days of slips, every single time, there is something in there that I forgot that had happened that was amazing. There's, it just reminds me of the progress I've made. It's a real good anchor to be like, Emily, you're doing an amazing job. Like, I'm proud of you. High five. Keep going. Wow. That's so impactful. I love that. Thank you. I'm going to start that because like you said, it just takes the the extra steps and the pressure off of like, oh, I got to write a whole journal entry, you know? Mm. It's like, no, it's just one slip of paper. It seems so much more manageable. That's definitely something I think I can do. Yes, I love it. Well, keep me posted. Tag me in a picture of your joy jar or something. (laughs) Yes, will do for sure. Love it. So the next one is the connector. Um, The connector shares similar qualities to the alchemist. Um in the sense that they are all about like giving back. Um, Money can sometimes feel a bit icky to them, but the connector is a true like relationship creator. They um, have incredible long-term relationships with people Uh, where they can kind of get tripped up is they, they like to put financial decisions on others. So whether they might have a business partner who takes care of all the financial decisions, or maybe even just personally, they have a partner who takes care of all the money. So that, that's fine and dandy to have someone taking care of the financial things, but when they turn a blind eye to it and aren't completely aware of it, it can sometimes lead to troublesome situations um, where like I've literally spoke to women who are running million dollar businesses, doing such amazing things, like creating such amazing communities, doing so many wonderful things and literally not taking a dollar from the company in salary because they're, they're just kind of in this ignorance is bliss with the money and they just want to keep giving back. And so really taking that time to get connected with the numbers and really compensate yourself for your contribution is really important as a connector. Um, Where the connector can kind of get tripped up as well is they like everyone's their friend. Right. And so like when it comes to friend and family discounts and doing things for free, you know, it's like, well, everyone's my friend and I want to give back. And so they can get caught up in that as well. But really knowing like people want to pay you um, like, and your relationships can't like, it doesn't have to be icky if relationships also involve uh, financial transactions that go on. Like people want to pay you for your service. So allow people to pay you is a big thing for connectors. Oh my gosh. I was going to say that brings up like a really good point. 
I have spoken to so many mama photographers who feel bad for charging higher prices because they're like, well, I remember when I couldn't afford photos and Mm. they want to be the person that provides the inexpensive photos because they care so much about, you know, giving that experience to these people. And like, do you have any advice for those people? Because I can, I can tell you there's a lot listening right now that I think will resonate with that. Absolutely. So first of all, I would say, take a step back to see financially what one needs, meaning like, do you need $5,000 a month to cover your bills and, and that kind of stuff? So really like take a practical look at financially, what do I need to be compensated with this business um, to keep it going? Because the last thing we want is for that person to not be financially compensated enough and then end up having to shut down their business so they don't get to do any giving at all because they've had to go back to a nine to five or something that, that takes them away from their passion of photography. So practically speaking, take a look at what you need from there. There's lots of ways to give that doesn't mean it has to be like a hundred percent all of your time giving. So for example, if someone is saying like, you know, I was there once where I couldn't afford to get, you know, the family photo shoot or what have you. Well, maybe it's like, once a month or I don't know, once every quarter, they do a special promo where it's like, I don't know, say 20 minute or 30 minute, uh, quick photo shoots for families that are, you know, at a, at a real discount. And I have actually coming back to that photography client of mine. Um, what she did as well was she did headshots, same thing, like quick, quick ones, like 20 minute headshots, picked one, um, backdrop and, I, I don't know if it was all the proceeds. I can't remember now the exact amount, but it was a good, I think it might've been half of the investment that the people made went to a charity of her choice. So it just felt really good on, on all ends. Like it was an inexpensive investment for the people getting the photo shoot. She felt really good being able to give back. The other thing is maybe they could create some sort of freebie or video training or something that even teaches people how to get better shot, like, pictures of their family or whatever it might be that they're trying to accomplish that is less like trading time for money or trading time for no money, you know, um, and more so like leveraged, uh, time. So it's like, if someone's saying, Oh, I really want to get a really cute picture of my little girl for her first day of school. Amazing. Go watch this video where I give five tips to get the best photos of your kids on their first day of school. Right. So coming up with those freebies or trainings or something that you can send people to can really be a great way that you can serve um, the people who might not be able to pay for your services just then and give back and not have the person feel um, like in that kind of resentful energy and that drained energy where they're like, I'm like, yes, I love giving, but it's gotten to the point where like (laughs) I'm burnt out, you know? Right. Exactly. And I actually recently had a mentor of mine point out something to me that I think is really important to share with our audience. And then I'd love your feedback on it as well is she went through my financials with me and was showing me how much time exchange I was giving for the low amount of money that I was receiving And she said to me, she said, I know that you have this giving heart. I know that you want to be this person. However, 
have you thought about the impact it's having at home Mm. and how much time and energy you are away from your family? Is that who you want to be without (laughs) getting the financial freedom exchange? And I was just like, wow, I had never thought of it in that way. And I was like, you're right. I am giving so much time, so much energy, so so much of my physical resources that I'm not having the same energy and the same excitement with my family because I'm so emotionally, physically drained every day. And she's like, yeah, it's not worth it, is it? Like if you were maybe making a huge paycheck, maybe you could adjust some things, but for the amount of money you're making, for the amount of time you're spending, is that worth it? And I was like, no. Oh, <laughs> so, that's brilliant. Yeah, yeah. How how do you like help your clients figure this out too? Because I know that you're not just, you know, it's not just about financial gain. It's mm-hmm. also about, you know, your time and energy gain. Yes. And really having those boundaries that are, that are important. Actually, speaking of boundaries, I'll get the next archetype I'll talk about is the nurturer. But um Some really great practical advice around this is actually I had another photography client of mine a couple of years ago. Uh, We worked together one-on-one and she was, she's hugely popular in our local city here. She's in the same city as me and she runs like learn to um, like, you know, basically beginner photography course. And so she has like hundreds of followers. And so you can imagine that in her inbox, she gets all these questions. Hey, I'm trying to get this setting or take this type of picture. What do you recommend? Blah, blah, blah. And, um, eventually what we did was we created a membership for her. So instead of giving of all her time and taking away from her family to your point and answering all these DMS and that kind of stuff, a real simple strategy was coming up with a membership where she could do, well, I mean, there's, there was different elements to her membership, but one of the things was um, having a Q&A each month. And so from there, it made it really easy to have a, have a loving boundary that served her and protected her energy and made sure she was available for her family, but also helped the client too. So meaning if I you know, was a random reaching out to her and saying, hey, can you help me with XYZ that related to photography? Her response, instead of then feeling bad and feeling like she needed to answer it and go back and forth and et cetera, et cetera. She could go back and say, I love this question. I have an amazing membership. It's only 45 bucks a month. Um, in there every single month we do a Q and a, and we've actually answered this in last month's Q and a, or, you know, what last month's training, um, would love to have you in there. If you want to, you know, give it a go, here's the link to sign up. Um, and hopefully we'll see you in there. So it's, it's a fairly, one could argue, it's fairly inexpensive uh, investment to get an answer to a question. It also saves her energy and then it serves them in that they're going to get a ton of help in this membership. So to those people listening, just maybe reflect on what are those activities or what are those things that you're doing daily that really take a lot of your time and energy and away from that freedom that you desire And just take a step back and ask yourself, is there a leveraged way that I can still be of service and giving, but in a way that's much more efficient, right? Yes, that makes total sense. And to that point, what 
other, I guess, advice would you give to someone who, like, instead of doing a membership, because mm-hmm. I get people all the time that are like, oh, I'd love to pick your brain about this. <laughs> and it's like, you know, you have those conversations with people and like, you genuinely want to be nice, but then it ends up being like a free mentoring session. Yeah. <laughs> so like, how do you like, could you give listeners sort of like a a phrase or just like a friendly reply maybe that we can use. Yeah, I love that. So there's a (laughs) couple of options because I used to deal with that uh, when I first started my business. And it comes up every now and then where someone will, you know, DM me and be like, hey, you know, send me this big long message. I'm like, just just curious what you're, you know, what you would think of this. And I'm like, oh my goodness, they're asking for full on coaching (laughs) in my inbox. (laughs) So a couple of things is if the someone listening does do Instagram lives or YouTube videos or some sort of trainings, sometimes what I do is if somebody uh, sends me a DM is I'll, um, I'll acknowledge it, obviously, like, thanks for your question. Love that, you know, so common, blah, blah, blah. And I'll say, that's actually a really great idea for a training that I think can really help tons of people. So I'll say, thanks so much for that um, question. I'm actually going to, you know, bank it and, and, you know, I'll do a training on that on Thursday or whatever it might be. So, you know, stay tuned type thing. Um, Or maybe it'll give me a blog. It'll give me a blog idea or something like that. So that's one option that I do use from time to time. Actually, I used it um, just the other day. Somebody sent me a, a message and I was like, that's a brilliant idea for a blog. So I was like, stay tuned. The, the second thing is, is typically if that's not one direction to go is, um, I will say, um, you know, once again, acknowledging it, thank you for your question. So common. Um, and I will direct, like the photographers listening may want to create a service that might be even a quick, like 15 minute powwow where, um, I actually signed up for, there's a platform I use to send out my emails and, um, do like sales pages and that kind of stuff. And it's called Kartra. And this woman had a training that I had purchased from her. But what I thought was genius was she had 15 minute sessions that you could book with her in case there was like a quote unquote, pick my brain type question to ask her. So I thought that was genius because it was pretty inexpensive, but it just respected her time. And, um, obviously showed that you valued her time. So to people listening, you could say like, um, can, you know, whatever the question might be like, Oh, I can totally help you with that out with that. You know, it's, it should only take no more than 10, 15 minutes to go over that with you. Um, if you want, I do have a 20 minute pick my brain sessions for, I don't know, say 50 bucks or $20 or 40, whatever it might be. Uh, if you want to book that in, here's the link to do so. So they can send it along. The, empowering thing is that especially when I first started my business years ago, I found there was a lot of the pick my brain folks out there who really at the end of the day, um, didn't respect my time. And so when I would respond with something like, like, thanks so much, here's a link to have a quick call. And if you want to, you know, this is an inexpensive uh, option to work with me. They just ghosted. (laughs) It was just like ghost town. Only so, looking for the free info. Right. And so it felt really empowering on my end to be like, you know what? Good for you, Emily. Like standing in your power, respecting your time, respecting, and not only respecting my time, but respecting the clients that were investing in me. Because 
I, and I would sometimes say this to uh, people who were in my inbox and I would say, you know, out of respect for my paying clients, um, you know, who are paying for this service to have this access to me. Um, this is something that I uh, direct people to book in a, a one-on-one session with me. So here's the link to do so. Um, and then to the point earlier about, you know, having free trainings for people who, who want help. If there, if there was a blog post I know I did or a training I had done previously, um, I could direct them to that. So if they're saying, you know, I'm really stuck on this money block of like, I don't know, I never send out invoices or I'm really bad with invoices. I could say, oh, you know what? I actually did a training on that, you know, back in March. Here's the link to go check it out. Like, enjoy. Hope you love it. And um, thanks for, you know, the follow or what have you. That's great. Those are amazing ideas. Thank you, Emily. <laughs> Especially the part where you said, out of respect for my paying clients, because it takes the pressure off you because you're not like, I'm saying no. You're like, I'm respecting the people that pay me and I don't give out this information for free. That's like a very nice way to say it. So that way they know like, oh my gosh, that's so true. I never thought about that. Sometimes like, especially when you're newer to business or newer, you know, you might ask questions and not realize that you're asking for, you know, specific advice that people actually pay for. So it's also an education opportunity to let them know you know, this is sort of the industry standard. It's not that I don't want to help you. It's just the fact that, you know, it is my time, it is my energy, and it is my knowledge that my clients pay me for. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly why I'm asking you to pay for it. So I love that. That was great. I'm excited to hear about the, oh, sorry. The nurturer. Yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I'm excited to hear about the nurturer. That sounds like me. <laughs> yeah. I, but before we do that, I was just going to say is that like, it'd be like kind of putting it to a more extreme example. It'd be like if, if you know, a photographer was out in public and they had their camera on them and somebody said, oh, can you just take like, you know, a dozen shots of me and like my husband, if you got a quick minute, you know? <laughs> <laughs> no one love- would ever ask you that, right? <laughs> right. And just send them, send them my way when you have a minute. Like, no, like you would be like, oh. <laughs> well, this is what I get paid for. So it's not as obvious in inbox or like DMs because it's not so like tangible, I guess. But it's the same thing. Like they're paying for, like your clients are paying for your expertise, your know-how, your knowledge. And so um, whether it be external, you know, a, a picture that you take or internal of like your knowledge, both are equally as worthy and valuable. Oh, that's so good. And you know what I just thought of? I thought of a photographer that I reached out to and asked a question to just recently. And Mm -hmm. I loved like the packaging that she used to send to her clients. And so I just reached out and was like, and and I actually am a paying client of hers. I was, I did hire them to do my brand photography. So I didn't feel super, you know, out of the ordinary asking this question, but Mm -hmm. she sent me a link and she said, Oh, you know what? I get asked this all the time. I actually created a reel that shows you all the places that I get my packaging. And I was just like, okay, that's genius. Let's just utilize reels when we can to give that same information because reels are just blown up on Instagram right now. Yes, exactly. Oh, I love that. That's amazing. So the nurturer (laughs) is the inner sponsor. So the nurturer does appreciate and respect uh, money. um, And they're, they're actually not not too bad with receiving money and you know being financially responsible and all that kind of stuff, 
But sometimes there can be this guilt to overgive for every dollar that you bring in. So um, this is where maybe people can find themselves going overtime on shoots or editing more photos than they should or feeling like they need to give like 5,000 pictures in their package in order to make it worthy because they're a very naturally like generous person and they really just want to nurture others and have others feel good and that kind of stuff. But it can really, um, really impact their boundaries. And actually to the point of the DMS and people inboxing them, that's, that's one place where they can kind of get hung up is when people do message them with questions, they feel this guilt to serve everyone and everyone and put themselves last. And then financially wise, um, the nurturer can be that person that people lean on to borrow money from. And then the nurturer will never get, never follow up with them of like, Hey, so that money you borrowed from me that time, like you're going to pay it back anytime soon. They can find themselves in sticky situations like that, where they just feel so blessed to have you know, whether it be finances or what have you themselves, that the giving can sometimes um, get them, get them into trouble and uh, get them into that resentment zone where they're giving so much where they are at that burnout point and like, oh my goodness, well, people just stop asking me for things, you know? (laughs) Yes. Oh, totally. Yeah. So they feel they need to rescue sometimes, but I mean, the nurturers are amazing because they're just so generous. They, they do give amazing value. They're very loyal. They're, they're devoted. They're so reliable. It's just finding that balance of creating those boundaries uh, in a powerful way that, that show that you care, right? Like not seeing boundaries as this, this terrible, horrible thing and you horrible human for having boundaries, but really showing that boundaries um, are really caring for yourself and for others. Oh my gosh, that's so good, Emily. That <laughs> nurturer, I feel like, is who I am. Like, that is who I've been. I've been in the photography industry for 12 years. I say 10 because that's really when I feel like I stepped into really owning the business and not just being like, oh, I, I take pictures, you know, yeah. like on the side kind of thing. But I do feel like that's something I work on with my current clients too inside my side hustler to CEO program mm-hmm. is that mentality and that idea of we feel like we have to give all the photos. We feel like we have to, you know, do the hour shoot, even though it doesn't take us an hour to take pictures. Yeah. You know, we could get all those photos in 30 minutes. And I actually just released um, a pricing lesson inside the program. And I talk specifically about that, of how, how you can leverage profitability by not only your time investment, right? Mm-hmm. But also the energy investment. So if you go to do an hour shoot, but you know it only takes you 30 minutes, then why don't you keep your price the same mm-hmm. and lower your session rate? You yeah. Lower your session, <laughs> sorry, length. And so you're still maybe charging the same amount, but now you're only doing 30 minutes of work. And what that does is it forces you to become more efficient because now yes. you only have 30 minutes. Yes. And that's so important. I feel like for everyone listening about this money topic is you have to learn how to be more efficient with your time and your money 
right? Mm -hmm. In order to become more profitable in all areas of your life. And I think profitability is always, we think of financial profitability, but profitability just means that we are, you know, have more of. And so how how about more time and how about Mm. more energy as well? Yes. And the thing is with these, with these archetypes and coming back to like the money blocks and that kind of thing is that, so then like each archetype is going to have, is going to feel differently about different things. Meaning, so the nurturer doing, you know, what you, what you shared of like, okay, cutting from one hour to a half hour, keeping it the exact same, except for the, the duration and the same price. The nurturer may feel like super uncomfortable with that. Like it may feel like a 10 out of 10, out of like a stretch for them to do that. Whereas yep. someone like, the accumulator might be like, oh my goodness, that's brilliant. Like, all right, I'm going to do that tomorrow. And it'd just be like easy peasy, like walk in the park for them to make that change because they already like have the good boundaries. It just seems like this amazing logical thing to them. Same thing for the ruler. The ruler, the ruler would probably be really excited about that as well. So I say that because I think it gives us more grace and compassion to ourselves when we realize like, okay, I am a nurturer. So this is going to feel more challenging to me than maybe someone else. And that's okay. And I'm naturally going to be a bit more triggered by this and naturally going to feel a bit more like a bad person, you know, but I'm just going to have to allow myself to breathe through this, take that action and know that like I'm safe and my clients aren't going to hate me and send me hate mail because I've done this. Like, all is well. I'm still loved. I'm still valuable. And just letting themselves move through that uncomfortable step that maybe another money money archetype might not have. Yes, that is so true. Yeah. So uh, another archetype out there is the maverick. So they're the inner rebel with the cause. So they're attracted to like the get rich opportunities. They're, they're willing to take that financial risk for a potential big win. They love to stand out in the crowd. They have like this courage and tenacity when it comes to generating income. Um, and they're a bit stubborn in a good way. Like they don't cave into the opinion of others. Um, but sometimes they can go to the extreme with this and maybe get into like to the the extreme extreme case like gambling addiction um or getting into getting caught in the feeling of needing to win approval from others or even like secrecy around their money because they are taking such big financial risks that they don't want to tell their husband or their partner whoever might be of like what they're doing so there can be this kind of like two-sided relationship with money where on one side they love it and they love the the enjoyment of like, you know, taking that risk and doing all the goodness. But on the flip side of it, they may have that secrecy, like shame going on behind the scenes that they're not telling anyone about. So um, yeah, they got to be, they got to be careful there. I actually, Maverick is actually my number one, but I have it well balanced in the sense that like, so for example, Maverick is my number one accumulator is my number three, I think it is. So I do love the risk, but it's balanced well with the accumulator, like the responsible person with their money. So for example, another passion of mine is real estate investing, which is, you know, big investments. Ooh, I love that. Yeah. And so it's balanced well in the sense that like my husband, his last archetype is Maverick. So he really needs the facts. He needs the safety, the security of knowing what I'm doing financially. And so I'm not living in the shadow side of like secrecy around our money and that kind of thing. I am 
open and honest of like, okay, there's this property that came up. Um, here's the down payment we'll need. Here's, you know, the opportunity for income it will bring like really sitting down with the numbers, knowing, you know, spending hundreds of thousands of dollars on a house is no like small walk in the park. Like it's not like you're going to pick up a bag of apples or something. (laughs) Like it's, it's a big financial risk, but I have it mitigated well by looking at like the best and worst case scenario and even the worst case scenario not being too bad. Like it's not going to put us, you know, bankrupt and out in the streets and that kind of stuff. So, um, exactly. Yeah. So I have the Maverick well balanced in, in my life. That's awesome. I think I have like a small amount of like wanting to take risks, but I, yeah, because my husband is very so much like your husband where he's like, I don't want to take a risk at all. Like I need to make sure that that is actually going to like, how can you like secure and guarantee that there will be an ROI at the end of this? Yeah. Like he's sort of, I feel like brought me a little bit more into reality. So I think I do like to take risks and I would be more willing, but then he kind of pumps the brakes and then I'm like, Oh, maybe you're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember. Um, and and it's like, sometimes it can be baby steps in the sense. Like I remember one of the first times I did like a big coaching investment for a mastermind and I told my husband how much it was. And he was like, kind of like, just looking at me like, what have you done? Like, and I was like, well, and I said to him, I said, you know, the last time I invested in this coach, my business grew like tenfold. So just imagine what's going to happen this time. And and that really calmed him down where he's like, okay, you're right. Like, yes, your business did go from like, you know, zero to a hundred, basically the last time you worked with this coach. So that really gave him faith and trust. All was going to be well. And it was, it, it was an amazing experience. Um, oh, what I will mention what for the map. Nav- Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say, I, what, what was it like the first time that you took that investment and you didn't have anything to show him? Cause I know a lot of people <laughs> listening right now are like, yeah, but you had something to show. Like what yeah. about if I want to make this an, like initial investment and my husband is not on board and he's like, yeah, no, we're not doing that. So what I, advice would you have for them? I will admit the first investment I made with this coach, I was in the shadow side of the secrecy. Like I did not tell my husband <laughs> at the time, like it was my own personal money that was being invested. So I really was personally taking the responsibility of like, okay, if this doesn't pan out, like I might need to go like take some line of credit out to pay for this, that kind of thing. But because like, I just internally knew like, whilst it felt, you know, not great to not be like, I did, you know, tell him eventually like I've invested in this coach, but making that commitment and signing the contract, I had not discussed it with my husband. So, I mean, that's, that's not the greatest example to give, but to your audience listening, like, how do I get that evidence is to, I like to say stretch, don't splatter. So find something that you can truly, or, you know, the listener can truly get behind and, and, and back themselves up with meaning like maybe it's not, you know, a $10,000 investment that they start with to go to their partner and be like, Hey, I've just done this, but maybe it's a thousand dollar investment. Or maybe for some people, it might even be a hundred dollar investment where they really start to build that trust and that faith within themselves of like, okay, I'm going to invest in myself. This feels like a stretch. It's not a splatter where, you know, we're going to be, you know, in tens of thousands of dollars of debt, that kind of thing. But it is having me put that faith and trust in myself and that knowing of like, okay, I feel called to this, so I'm going to do it. So finding that kind of like sweet spot um, is what I recommend. And, and you know, if, if at the end of the day, 
it doesn't feel great, well then maybe pick something else. Like in all honesty, like it, I feel like some people sometimes in the coaching world, there can be this pressure to invest big in order to, you know, big, big investment, big reward type thing, but that's not always the case. So if something's not feeling totally aligned, um, you know, reevaluate. You don't have to always dive into the big investment. In my case, being the maverick, I can do it coming back to like the money personalities. Like I can do it a little more easier than um, another type of archetype. Like maybe, let me think, well, the accumulator, but I am accumulator too, but it's well balanced. But if somebody's on the extreme of the accumulator, then they would be freaking out doing certain investments that I've done. So yeah, we're just really honoring and feeling into what feels good to themselves. Yeah, I love that. And on that same point, because I still remember the very first investment that I made as a photographer. Mm-hmm. And I think it I hadn't invested like anything. Like I don't even think I invested a couple hundred dollars and I went to this in-person workshop and invested like I think it was twelve hundred dollars. And this mm-hmm. was 10 years ago. And I just remember like going to my husband and being so nervous because I wanted to take the risk. And I was like, I believe in myself. Like, I know this is going to help. And it was just having that open conversation with him and saying like, this is what I want. This is what I believe will get me to where I want to go. Like, Mm -hmm. I know it's a stretch. I know it feels scary. This is how I'm going to pay for it. Um, you know, please, it's important to me that you're on board. So like, please think about this and let me know what you think. And I just gave him time to -hmm. come around to the idea. And he was like, okay, He's like, this makes no sense to me. It's really hard for me to wrap my head around, but I'm going to trust that that it'll work out. And every time since then that I've come to him with a bigger investment and a yeah. bigger investment and a bigger investment, he still is like, oh, I want to say no. He's like, yeah. but I know that if you believe this will help, then, then I believe in you, you know, mm. that kind of thing. Yeah. So it was more so like, you know, I don't understand it, but he has gotten to a point over the years where he's like, okay, I trust that you know what you're doing. And so it's kind of come to that part where he's like, yep, I still don't, it still makes me sick to my stomach to see you investing that, but, but I'll, I'll go with it. And you bring up a really great point where by the sounds of it, like you had, you had already decided internally. It's not like you were going to go to your husband and be like, you know, if you say no, we're, we're over. Like you weren't like going into that, but internally, (laughs) internally, it's like you had made peace and like made up your mind of like, this is what I truly want to do. Because sometimes like we can allow our husbands to be that like cop out of like, let me just check it over my husband. And internally, like, like that fear-based part of us wants a way out. So as soon as the partner or the lover, whoever it is, is like, are you like really sure about this? And then we can give like the fear can give in and go, no, I'm not sure about this. Okay. It's going to be a no, you know? Yep. So what I typically say to um, potential clients of mine, and this is not out of any pressure or anything at all, but what I do say when they do say, um, you know, I need need to run it by my husband or just, you know, think on it, whatever I'll say, perfect, totally get it. And what I want you to do is really before you approach that conversation is internally, know what you want and have your mind made up. So it's not that you're asking for permission, but you're more so sharing and wanting, um, not validation, but just like the, 
the like the assurance of like, yeah, like let's do this kind of thing. You know, it's a much more empowering place to be versus can I have your, like, can I go do this? You know? Right. Exactly. And it's more so like when I went to him, it was, it wasn't that I wanted his permission, but I wanted him to understand what I was doing. Yes. You know, like this is what I feel called to do. This is why I feel called to do it. I, you know, I'm not trying to convince you. I'm just trying to say like, this is what I want. And it would be really great if I could have your support, you know, yes. like just your, just your moral support. That's all I need is yeah. just like, okay, babe, go get it. Like, yeah. I don't need you to tell me that it's too expensive because I know it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I know it's expensive, but that doesn't mean it's not worth it, right? Yeah. And I guess, like, that's a whole nother conversation too, right? Like, what's expensive? That's very, you know, mm. that's a whole mindset conversation in and of itself. But yeah, exactly. I just think that it's it's that moral support that's helpful, right? In a, in a relationship, totally. we want to make sure there's no tension between it, so... Yeah, I love that. And what I will add to the Maverick is I know myself I have to be careful from a, a business perspective of like not to burn down what's working. Yes. <laughs> because the Maverick does love that like the the change and like the creativity and that kind of stuff. And they and and so tried and true income streams can start to seem boring to them. And so mm-hmm. I have to be very careful myself of not breaking what's working. So even I was really proud of myself this year because there's a program that I run every year. It's a signature program of mine. And um, every year I tell myself, I'm like, Emily, don't touch it. Like it's worked. All the modules are great. All the videos are great. Like just leave it. Don't touch it. And then sure enough, every year comes by and I go to launch the course and I dive in and I completely change the modules. I complete, like I go in and I just completely redo the course out of like, almost like this not boredom, but just like, I got to make it better. It needs to be more refreshed, blah, blah, yes. blah. And I was you have re- like more to share now. You're like, I have more. I want to yeah. And I realized, well, yes, that's great to want to give more. I mean, I could, I could have done it in a much more efficient way. Instead of like messing with what was already there, I could add in a bonus module or something like that. And so yep. this year was the first year I'm like super proud of myself where I never touched it. Like I just left it at his. <laughs> Awesome. Right. And just allowed it to be easy, allowed me to, me to serve my clients in an easy way. And I was like so proud of myself for not breaking what was already working. So yeah, I oh had to be gosh. conscious of that. That's genius. And I I feel the same way. And I think that like in the coaching program that I'm currently in right now as a student, I am learning that is that business does not have to be complicated. It should actually be simple. Yes. You should create simple systems where it's rinse and repeat easy, where you yeah. are able to focus more of your like brain and bandwidth on serving your clients instead of like always outputting information. Exactly. So that's been a huge aha moment for me this year. Yeah. I love that. So the last archetype, I believe this is the last one is, um, the celebrity. So they're the inner big shot. Um, the celebrity loves to be in the spotlight. They value money as a tool to achieve status, image, and recognition, they have no problem spending money to enhance their image. Like they're the ones who love the designer brands, the good clothing, like the bling, all that kind of stuff. Um, and so that's, so I know, I know cele- when people find out that they're celebrities, when they do the quiz and they find out they're celebrities, 
they can kind of be embarrassed because they're like, oh my gosh, like, I don't want to be this, this archetype. But I actually love celebrities for the fact that they do them. <laughs> like, they are unapologetic. They are those people that we see on social media, on the stage, on the whatever, just like shining their light when they're truly living in their gift of that leadership of standing out in the crowd of, of showing us what it truly is to have this like powerful energy and confidence and radiance and that kind of stuff. Like it's truly inspiring when they're living in the gift side of it on the shadow side of it is when they're doing these things out of need for approval. You know, when they're buying the expensive car, buying the expensive house or whatever it might be and getting themselves to this broke place out of, validation of like somebody see me, somebody acknowledge me, somebody love me, um, that kind of thing. So from a business perspective, they probably have no trouble, you know, investing in high, high ticket, uh, programs and that kind of stuff, but really, yeah, taking a step back to take a look at their finances and, um, not feel so secretive about it because, they are they they can tend to be very much in the ignorance is bliss like let me not look at the credit card statements let me not look at my debts that are piling up and so really taking a step back to to evaluate like why am i buying these things or like what am i trying to get out of this and just saying like how can i receive love in other ways besides um external things um and yeah maybe getting some support be it from a financial planner or a a, a good friend who maybe you feel safe around to talk about financial things, but just really taking a step back to look at their money more intimately is going to be super empowering for a celebrity. Oh, I love that. Oh my gosh. These, all these different like money personalities are just like, this is crazy. Cause I've never heard <laughs> this before. So it's so enlightening to hear all of these different personalities Thank you so much for sharing all this with us. My I, pleasure. <laughs> I literally just feel like you said that awareness, like once you are aware of which type you are, like, where do we go from here? Mm, so it's, well, I, I did give a little taste. I do have a, I do have a full blown course on this. It's, it's pretty inexpensive. I made it $27. So it was pretty affordable for everyone to to go get. So it's just moneycode.ca if people want to go um, check that out. Cause I do go deeper into um, how to really enhance their, their archetype and, and use it for the best, you know, of their I business and their life and that kind of stuff. Yeah. So hopefully now after your listeners have heard this, like I've been saying a few times over, uh, you know, on this podcast is one is having that compassion for yourself of not making yourself right or wrong, or someone else is better than you with money, but just really understanding of like, Oh, interesting. We're all made differently around money. And then from there, taking a step back to evaluate, um, what works well in your business, meaning like there can be like, oh my goodness, the options of what we can do in our businesses are endless. And so, and we can see someone, I don't know, maybe they sell a course online on how to, you know, get kickstart. Like I have a client of mine who has a course called learn to love your camera and it's a beginner, beginner's photography course. And, you know, somebody watching or listening right now might say, oh, I need a course and I need to build my business that way because that's the way that's working for them. And so we can get caught up in what's working for other business owners. But 
it might be working for them because based on their money personality. So I love that. Yeah. So really taking a step back and going, what feels really good to me for my personality? Like, yes, that works for someone else and they're doing great, but do I truly feel called to go, you know, have an online course and run Facebook ads and all that kind of stuff to it? Or do I feel more called to do, I don't know, higher end shoots with commercial uh, clients or something like that. Let's just say um, that pay, you know, like I have another client of mine who she does more commercial stuff and it it brings in like, it can be upwards of like $7,000 for a a gig like that. So it's just taking a step back of like, what works for me? What feels good in my soul? What feels simple? What feels easy? And um, not feeling like you have to do it one way or another, just because someone else is and understanding that we're all made different, right? And we're not all meant to make money the same way. And how you want to make money is going to be perfect for you. Oh my gosh. Yay. That's amazing, Emily. Thank you so much for sharing that because I truly have fallen into that trap before of being like, oh, well, that's what's working for them. So that must be what I have to do. And like going down that path and then getting to the end of it and being like, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) Like just because it works for someone else doesn't mean it's what I'm meant to do. So that's like an epiphany moment that I've had in the past year that like, now you just like blew that up for everyone. So thank you. (laughs) You're (laughs) welcome. Put it out there. I love that. So Emily, before we end our conversation, can you please share where everyone can find you, how they can connect with you and how they can work with you? Yeah. So they can check me out. My website's emilyking.ca. And right on the main page, there's um, a free gift there where it's three meditations to help them manifest more money. So it's a really nice way to ground themselves and, and go inwards and feel really centered to help them connect um, with their intuition and with the abundance of wealth that's available to them. So that's a great uh, freebie for them. And then uh, they can feel free to, you know, download or or purchase that course, the money code that they'll see on my website there for 27 bucks to dive more into these money personalities and get to understand themselves a little bit deeper. And yeah. And by all means, they can feel free to, reach out to me on Instagram. My Instagram's on my website there too at the bottom. So I'll, I'll direct them to emilyking.ca as the main hub and then they can go from there and uh, connect with me from there. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much, Emily. I have enjoyed our conversation and have learned so much from you. Thank you. This is great. Oh my goodness, mama. Was that not such an interesting conversation with Emily? Literally, there were so many moments during our conversation where I was just like, yes, that is so me. That is, that is so my personality. And it's just so interesting to see that I'm not just one type. I have a little bit of a few different types, as I'm sure that you do as well. I would love for you to take a screenshot of this episode and let Emily and I know which money personality you resonate with the most and if you also resonate with a few others as well. Be sure to tag me at The Purpose Gathering and Emily at Emily King Co. That's C-O. And we can't wait to connect with you. There are so many incredible takeaways that I have from this episode, but my most favorite thing that she shared that I'm definitely going to implement is the joy jar. 
I thought that was so cool to every day just take a minute at the end of the day and write down a very special moment that day that brought me joy. And then at the end of the month to just read them all. That sounds so much more doable than a, you know, entry every single day in my journal. And so I can't wait to start that. So if you also decide to start a joy jar, let us know over on Instagram. As always, Mama, I am here rooting for you, and you are not alone on this journey. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Purpose Gathering Podcast. As we end our time together, remember that you were created for more. You can do hard things, and life is about more than just surviving. So go out there and live your life with confidence and courage. To become a part of our free online community and connect with like-minded mom photographers, head on over to thepurposegathering.com slash mamas. I'm so proud of you for listening and investing in your future. Together, let's link arms and make a lasting positive impact on our families and communities. You've got this girl, and I can't wait until next time.